Welcome to Coastal Commoners. I'm R.C. Samo, editor-in-chief and founder of Fanboy Nation and Fangirl Nation. Along with me every week is the phenomenal, what's the Yiddish word for it, Mensch? Mensch? Mensch is good. I'll take Mensch. (laughs) Gary Morgenstein, author of Mound Over Hell and several other sci-fi books, sci-fi lover, pro wrestling lover, and a good good guy all around. Uh, Welcome to the show, guys. How you doing this week, Gary? It, it's great. I'm doing fine, RC. You know, I know everyone is buzzing about um, the Brett Kavanaugh yes. nomination. Mm-hmm. And I know it's been every, people out there have heard a lot. It's been covered a lot. And what we try to do on the show and we're, we're really trying to do is not just talk about the headlines, mm-hmm. but try to, you know, as we do respectfully, because yes. you and I disagree. I yes. mean, you're more liberal and libertarian. Well, I'm I, more, I wouldn't say liberal, but yes, definitely more libertarian. Yes, so you're more to the left than I am. <laughs> Although, you know, we agree on certain things, I'm sure, uh-huh. as, as we found. But I'm more conservative, more moderate conservative. <laughs> and I find um, that the political smear job that's being done on Brett Kavanaugh to be absolutely appalling, mm-hmm. that we've come to the era of political assassination. Mm-hmm. And the most recent thing is an article in The New Yorker by Ronan Farrow, right. who had a, a high reputation as a journalist mm-hmm. talking to this woman who says in college that Brett Kavanaugh and I'm sorry everyone's going to be a little lewd here, Brett Kavanaugh stuck his penis in her face Wow. now that's that's an, that's not a good thing to do okay. no not at all but let's just back up a moment Okay. the New York Times mm-hmm. aka Pravda interviewed maybe three dozen people that they say and not a single person would give first hand evidence that this was true. Mm-hmm. The woman admits that she was about blacking out drunk. Mm-hmm. She says that she spent, she didn't remember any of this until she spent six days with her attorney okay. who jogged her memory. Oh, please, AKA called coaching. Mm-hmm. And she says that the Senate, Senate Democrats approached her. Mm-hmm. So this, there is no evidence that any of this happened. Okay. Now that isn't to say that it, it's impossible it did, but it didn't. Okay. The um, Christine Ford, who set off this whole um, political assassination, had originally written had written a letter uh, detailing an, a, an alleged rape of her by uh, Brett Kavanaugh back in high school when he was 17 and she was 15. She mentioned four people at the party. All right. four of them denied ever being there. They okay. have no idea what she's talking about. So there's no evidence to any of this. It is It is clearly... The Senate Democrats who want to do anything, anything uh, above and beyond morality or the law mm-hmm. to derail this nomination. Now, the, the point is not so much the political assassination, because unfortunately, politics is filthy on both sides. Always has I don't, been. I, it always has <laughs> been. Right. I mean, you go back to, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, E2 Boutte. Right. You know, I'm, <laughs> so really, it's, it's not exactly a field for the faint hearted. Right. But. The, the left increasingly ha- believes that they're not bound by any laws, mm-hmm. that they can say and do what they want in the name of the resistance. Okay. And what I find is the moral purity mm-hmm. and the moral piety of the left. Now, you have they think that they're always right. Mm-hmm. And, Aussie, that's kind of dangerous. I think it's dangerous when anything becomes a level of theocracy, whether religion is involved or not, and you're worshiping yes. your own morality. 
A second woman came forward this morning corroborating uh, the first lady's story, uh, saying she was there and yes, she remembered the same thing and Kavanaugh had tried to assault her by putting his mouth or his hand over her mouth and uh, and all and whatnot. Um, anyone that has been a victim, my heart goes out to. Anyone that has been falsely accused, my heart goes out to. Um, this situation does seem a bit fishy, especially after some 35 plus years. Um, uh, this is this is my example in, in justifying the investigation of Kavanaugh. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, and I believe also in the Oriental Orthodox Churches, um, when someone is about to be ordained a priest or a higher clergy, uh, they bring him forward in front of the congregation, and the Greek word that they use is axios, which means, a uh, loose translation to English is, you are worthy. And if someone in the congregation, doesn't matter age, rank, personal, uh, vendetta, whatever, says that the person up for the man up for priesthood is not worthy the bishop will stop the entire service and conduct an in-depth investigation by the accuser and on behalf of the person up for ordination to find out if they are truly worthy or if this is just a political vendetta or a personal vendetta and so yes this does seem extremely fishy but if the you know if this goes through and the evidence isn't sufficient enough and Kavanaugh is uh, um, appointed, I'm all for it. Only because let's hear what she has to say, and if everything comes out that it's a false accusation, every real victim will turn on her as a false accuser, the way the Me Too movement uh, turned on Asia Argento. How she was an accuser, and then you find out she was also a pedophile. But when you, the problem with the with the left mm -hmm. and its moral piety mm -hmm. is that they think that because they believe, as you talk about the you know political theocracy, of course, in, in thought, because they believe that automatically demonizes mm -hmm. other people. Now they have. Um, a theocracy, a political theocracy, for right. example, about human rights and mm -hmm. equal rights, which, uh, uh, something which both you and I are very passionate about, right. being minorities. Absolutely. We are very mindful of that very, very much mm -hmm. and protecting other people's rights. Yes. Now, I'm not going to go back in, too far back in history and talk about the Democratic Party as the party of slavery, the party mm -hmm. of segregation, but it's there, mm -hmm. something very convenient that they want to miss. Mm -hmm. But they talk about um, the piety of their belief in equality, yet they never criticize um, Muslim nations, mm -hmm. ten of which have um, the death penalty for homosexuality, right. where women are second-class citizens, mm -hmm. where you and I are dimmy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, we're just you know we're, we're above a little above pod scum, mm -hmm. and that sort of piety doesn't translate to criticism of that. Now, if the same situation um, existed in a Christian country, mm -hmm. a country, country largely Christian, say you know not state religion, but largely Christian, a Jewish in Israel, certainly, mm -hmm. uh, they would be frothing at the mouth Right. when they talk about, for example, opposition to the death penalty. Now, that's something mm -hmm. I share. That's one of the, the major issues uh, that I've turned 360 degrees around on. I don't I don't want someone executed in my name by okay. my government. Okay. Uh, even for heinous crimes, I know I understand why the victims or the families of those mm -hmm. people 
would argue for it. I mm-hmm. respect it. I completely, completely understand it. But I, I oppose the death penalty. Okay. But they're against the death penalty, mm-hmm. yet they're for abortion, mm-hmm. which is also, um, you know, politically we can't outlaw abortion. Just, no, it's of just not. I mean, I know it. No, but you can say you can call it what it is. You right. can say that it, it is a political um, statement and a mm-hmm. political statute, and a, um, and that if you ask someone, well, what does a fetus turn into? Well, I mean, give it a choice. It's going to be a spatula, <laughs> a baseball glove. Or a human being, and you, no one is able to answer that. So I'm saying, so it's selective piety, right? And I think when you go to selective piety, you're down a very slippery road. And what they're doing with Kavanaugh is a violating or disregarding any possible questions of decency in their fervor to discredit him, right? And I think the left does that a lot, RC. Nowadays, absolutely, because the same thing happened with then President, well, Governor Clinton and then President Clinton, and you know, no one's batting an eye or even mentioning it these days. Which what Clinton was accused of was far worse. I mean, don't get me wrong; what Kavanaugh is accused of is horrendous. But when you have a list of twelve, thirteen, fourteen women coming after the then incumbent, and then they turn it and victim shame, I think that's the new phrase for yes. it. You know, there's a there's a problem with that, too. So I don't like any one side getting away with anything. So the Kavanaugh situation and how he's being shamed. Also, Bill Cosby might spend time in life. If it's a balance of both left and right being shunned the exact same way, I'm all for it. Well, but the problem is that it isn't in this country. Right. And everyone wants to talk about, you know, the conservatives, the conservatives. <laughs> well, the media, the liberals run the media. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it. It's the entertainment business. It's the federal government. It's the unions. It's um, the universities. It's the so-called intellectuals, mm-hmm. uh, because many conservatives are not given tenure on campus. Um, mm-hmm. So the voices you hear and what the media, except for Fox News and the Wall Street Journal, present is often one side. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. And I, I know that sounds very simplistic way, but that's bad because once you say it's okay to say anything and make up anything, mm-hmm. and I mean what we're talking about is postponing the um the the the, the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. who apart from these two so-called stories has an impeccable record. Right. I mean, there were sixty-five women bipartisan women who attested to his character who knew him in high school. Mm-hmm. So there's no pattern as there usually is with the Me Too movement mm-hmm. um, or someone who's been, you know, and again, I I think that Harvey Weinstein, I hope Harvey Weinstein gets 30 years mm-hmm. and ends up, you know, someone's sex slave mm-hmm. in the shower. <laughs> that would be, because <laughs> I think he deserves it, Kevin Spacey, all these awful people mm-hmm. who took advantage of their power to um, subject women and men mm-hmm. Uh, to harassment and rape in some cases. Right. But the fact is, there's got to be some tie-in to how we conduct public discussions and how eventually it's going to translate into real court. Mm-hmm. And we're not yet at the stage where hearsay evidence is okay. But now hearsay evidence, evidence which is clearly politically inspired, has the weight almost of a legal charge. It was like when um, 
Christine Ford and her attorney said, well, okay, um, uh, Kavanaugh has to go first in the Senate um, Judiciary Committee hearing. Right. Well, answering what? It, that's not how the law operates. Mm-hmm. You, the accuser goes, and then you respond. Right. So it, that's a very, that's a very delicate and subtle, but not so subtle and not so important distinction. Once you're saying, okay, so this sort of potential sphere can now influence judicial process, right. you're going down a path. And I tell all you liberals out there, because. We're all on the same side. We're all Americans, and we should all believe in democracy and freedom. What you want for someone else could come back to be used against you. Right. We have to be very careful with that, and that's why I fall on the libertarian side of things. Uh, not necessarily liberal, because you know I'm a religious person, as you know, which doesn't yes. fall under liberalism, usually. Uh, I have my own worldview, which has been shaped over the past 40 years. And, um, you know, like... I, I was giving this example the other day of how polarized we are. So, and I use the example, and you know, the left doesn't necessarily mean liberal anymore because classic liberalism is no longer in existence or yes, it's gone. minimized. Yes, you know, it's gone. there are some people that do believe in that still. You know, um, uh, Roosevelt liberalism, I think yes. was the term. Um, I did too. You know, and I said, all right, so let's say the extreme left, and I'm just using this for alliteration purposes. All right. Gay rights, gay rights, gay rights. Right. And then we'll go far right, gun rights, gun rights, gun rights. And they think the two shall never intertwine. What happens when you have the gays for gun rights movement start up? Right. And whose head's exploding on which side? Because you've you've left no room for gray area that, you know, if this side is if you're on the left side, this you obviously have to be against this on the right side. And if you're on the right side, you obviously have to be against everything on the left side. When there's so much gray area for the general populace that there needs to be a crossover, you know, and how would you lose your mind if there was, you know, again, gays for gun rights movement? And I'm using it for alliteration purposes because I love alliteration and that's how the English language works. Yeah. What would you do when those two extremes meet in the middle? Well, there are six, excuse me, there are six um, gay candidates running in Connecticut Mm -hmm. in the midterm elections. Okay. The various offices. They're all Republicans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you explain that? Right. It could just be <clears> – it goes to the heart of identity politics mm-hmm. and not allowing people to be who we are instead of what we are mm-hmm. and the labels. Now, we know that it goes back to the very beginning, again, of all political parties to you know the cradle of democracy, go back to, to Greece, mm-hmm. that you want to polarize your opponent – to activate and generate and galvanize your base. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. That's why, right. in, for example, um, primary elections, mm-hmm. someone you want to go a little more to the left or right to get you really act, the activists to come out, and then you move to the center in the general election. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's at least what we but, hope for. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we hope for, but we've lost that. Mm-hmm. It's No one's moving to the center anymore. No. There are no... There Are, oh, are there any center... Republicans? Are there any, even fewer centrist Democrats? Or is or who in the Democratic Party is left who is pro-life? I, I doubt anyone. At least the Republicans least have. Yes, they, Republicans have had tried to have a big tent, mm-hmm. uh, but that is dissipating as well. So I think one of the, the really um, 
the things that is the heart of the controversy is that is identity politics. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, we and being politically correct. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's what uh, it makes it increasingly difficult for people to talk to each other. Yeah, because or at you're least not be open to, to talk to each other. Yes, yes, because it's always well your side mm-hmm. and your side. Well, as you say, you could be on four sides at once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all for uh, the environmental movement. Mm-hmm. I I loathe when animals are hurt. Mm-hmm. Makes me sound like a total uh, leftist. I mean, right. you know, I want all people to be treated equally under the law. I don't want anyone discriminated against. I mean, I, so I so I sound like a you know super progressive. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have very conservative views on the, on government and national security and the economy and and foreign policy. So it's just very difficult, I think. And we'll see what happens with Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. I I hope that you know I know you're not a fan and you're hoping that he'll be oh no i have nothing against him i'm just okay. saying you know see i don't this, this situation you know to me again you know libertarianism is considered you know the far right for a lot of people but i also see perspectives on the left you know i'm not against full deregulation like some libertarians are you know i like this whole idea of clean water yes you right. know and I like the idea of being able to filter out the water. Deregulating it would make it look like Flint. And the fact that President Obama went there and pretended to take a sip of the water and goes, no, it's fine. And all the people in Flint are still suffering. That's horrific. Yes. You know, to be in the United States of America and you have to drink bottled water because your tap water and your filtered water is not safe is disgusting. Except here in New York. Yeah. We have clean water. You turn on the tap in New York. That's it. Drink the water. Wow. You, sh- you should let it run mm-hmm. for a moment <laughs> or two <laughs> just to play it safe. Right. But, you you know, it's not like I know L.A. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, drinking tap water and, and going fair. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right and that shouldn't be an issue. The people of Flint deserve better. The people yes. of America deserve better. And now I sound like Rush Limbaugh you know, going off. The people of America deserve better in this. this yeah. The... The Pledge of Allegiance, right, is to the republic for which it stands. We are a republic. We are not a democracy. I think people need to fully accept that we are a representative democracy, which is a republic. We are a republic. It is very Roman in our design. The problem is, is that people have been brainwashed into thinking that if I vote for a third party candidate, it is a vote for the opposition, And it is not. It is a vote to try to open the door for other points of view. Again, centralists. You know, when the Libertarian Party is now considered a centralist movement, not the Tea Party, the Libertarian ideology of, you know, gay marriage, sure. Gun rights, sure. And again, alliteration. You know, we can have both in this country. You know, freedom of religion, abortion rights. Absolutely, we can have those in this country. And I use this example from a religious standpoint, you know, um, or explaining religion. Religion is exclusive, not inclusive. You know, here are the rules of the religion. These are the rules we adhere to. If you don't like them, don't join the religion. Yes. You know, it's that simple. So if I show up to play soccer, right, and you bring a baseball bat to a soccer game, we're all going to look at you and go, what the hell is the bat for? 
Well, I want to yeah. play baseball. Well, we got 22 other guys that are playing soccer. So you trying to play baseball on the soccer field doesn't work. But I can't, but the guy playing baseball can't tell the soccer players how to play soccer. And the soccer player who goes to the baseball game can't tell the baseball players how to play baseball. Either you take the shin guards off, pick up a glove, and go into the outfield. Or you put on shin guards, put the bat down, and go onto the soccer pitch. It's that simple. You know? And I'm tired of people outside of the game dictating to everyone how the rules should go if you don't understand the rules of the game. Yes. Well, okay. Now, now here's something that I think most people will agree on. Mm -hmm. Okay? I think you and I will agree on. Okay. It's that Robert Redford was one of the great movie stars of his generation. Absolutely. Butch Cassidy and, and the Sundance Kid and a million other things. The Natural. Yeah, yes, yes, everything. And so I had the honor Saturday, I'm a member of, the, um, of BAFTA, the British Academy of mm -hmm. Film and Television Arts, mm -hmm. um, to go to a screening of his new and what he has said will be his final movie, mm -hmm. The Old Man and the Gun. And he was there along with Sissy Spacek and Casey Affleck mm -hmm. and um, Tika Sumter, uh, this actress, and uh, who played Affleck's wife in the movie. And it's a very charming movie about a true story mm -hmm. about this um, notorious bank robber Forrest Tucker who escaped 17 times wow. old guy and also he's old guy holding up banks mm -hmm. throughout um, Texas Missouri Arkansas Oklahoma and okay. he escaped from no prison could ever hold him he escaped from um, uh, San Quentin he built a boat in the machine shop. Wow. <laughs> and and Redford is just so charming. It's like he's there and he's saying, okay, this is the last rodeo for me, and I'm just going to have a good time, and I'm going to enjoy myself, and I'm charming. And he and Sissy Spacek have just wonderful chemistry. And it was just so cool to hear. Usually I don't go to the talkbacks with the actors. Mm -hmm. First of all, because I've been in... I was in entertainment publicity for three decades, and I'm tired of actors. <laughs> as simple as okay. that. Really, really tired of them. I can't tell you how many times I held someone's purse on the red carpet. Oh. I just or got someone water. It's like, go away, mm -hmm. go away. This just to briefly digress. Back right. in May, I was a, a panelist at the Museum of Science Fiction escape velocity convention right. in maryland uh to talk about my novel and it was just so nice to be telling but anyway just aside from that and, and redford was great he was very engaging and fun he looks a little old and i told a friend of mine he said well he is <laughs> i mean he's like 77 mm -hmm. 78 something like that and the bastard still has all his hair yes it's, it's that's it's what amazing. kills me it's, it's still and he's still good looking <laughs> he's still charming so everyone out there, I say, go see that movie, mm. uh, The Old Man and the Gun. It opens uh, next week. And uh, I'm on, before I start babbling about right. horror movies, and uh -huh. I don't, I just, uh, this is, I'm going to embarrass RC on the radio. Okay. RC doesn't like horror movies. I am a giant wuss when it comes to horror movies. Yes. I, so you like. You sleep with the lights on, and you have your teddy bear. I mean, how bad is it? Uh, when the 25th anniversary of The Exorcist was re-released, the genius that I am saw it on an early morning Saturday Saturday showing. I think it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. Yes. I came home, and for two weeks, even in the daytime, every light in the house, 
including <laughs> the including the closed closet doors. Everything, every light in the house was on for like two weeks. Now why? Now what about it scared you? It's a terrifying movie, and the fact that you know I'm a religious person, so I believe in yes, demon possession sure. and the possibility of demon possession. Yes. You know, I've witnessed someone that's had the stigmata. You know, which is which in the Catholic Church is considered a blessing, a blessing from God. You know, in order to have the wounds of Christ on you, and so I've seen people with the stigmata, and I, you know, and I've seen people with this type of demon possession. You know, that people would just uh, consider a mental disorder in the secular world. So to see a full-on demonic possession like that in a film, and just the music and the shadowing and the darkness and just the visuals, it was frightening, and it's. In my opinion, the greatest horror movie ever made, and only second to that would be, and unfortunately, it's a Roman Polanski film, was yeah. um, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby, yeah. Yes, I put Psycho up there, but back up a second. But Psycho's more psychological thriller than anything. Well, but that's a horror movie. Yeah. You know, okay, so a horror, the, the horror uh, genre, mm -hmm. like science fiction, is very broad. People think – whenever I, I was talking to someone in yoga today, my, a friend of mine, and I told her um, I had just seen Jacob's Ladder okay. for the first time in like 15 years. It's a wonderful movie yeah. with Tim Robbins, just wonderful. And I said, well, it's kind of a horror movie. She said, oh, no, I won't watch horror movies. Mm. And it's, people say that about science fiction, science fiction novels, books, movies. Oh, I won't watch it because I think it's about aliens. And so there are horror movies, of course. Of course. You know, um, torture porn and, you know. Uh, unneeded un slashing of body parts. Yes. And it could be fun, but it's like enough already. Uh, you know, the hostile movies and Saw, certainly. Mm -hmm. But at its heart, psychological horror movies like Psycho, like mm -hmm. The Birds. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, let's think about The Exorcist. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think I know the answer to this. There was no bloodshed, as far as right. I know, or maybe... Even when the priest is killed, he falls down the steps, right? Mm -hmm. There's no – no one's head is cut off. The head right. spins around. So there is that horror component mm -hmm. you know, or that, that horror genre, that subgenre of it. Uh, there was a little bit of blood in the director's cut where she was stabbing herself in the crotch with a crucifix. And that okay. was also horrifying. Yes. But yeah. horrifying not because of the blood. Because of the symbolism, absolutely. So that goes to the 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 the, um, the intellectual part of it, right? Now, just tell me about you saw a stigmata. Just, just yes. tell everyone about that because that's kind of fascinating. Uh, stigmata is uh, the wounds of Christ uh, showing up on, on a faithful person. Primarily, it happens in the Catholic Church, but on rare occasion, it has happened in the Orthodox Church. And so, excuse me, just so. Yes. The wounds of Christ would be um, where on the, the cross. hands and feet. Yeah, hands yes. and feet, and so, the crown of thorn, yeah. the spear to the side, uh, the lashes on the back, even you know bleeding back and and whatnot. Uh, a la Mel Gibson's, uh, and I'm sorry to call it this, a torture porn movie in it The was, Passion was. of the Christ. Yes, it was it was pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. Um, even though the Bible does say, or the New Testament does say. Uh, you know, he was beaten to, to the point of being unrecognizable, which Mel Gibson showed. Uh, he focused a little too much on the passion, and the resurrection was considered an afterthought. And the whole purpose of Christianity is that if there is no re resurrection and the conquering of death, we have no religion. 
Yes. Um, but Western Christianity focuses more on the passion. That includes Catholicism and various uh, forms of Protestantism, Orthodoxy, Eastern, Oriental, and even Nestorianism on, on the Eastern side focus on the death and or focus on the resurrection because without the resurrection we have no religion. It's right. just a, it's just some poor Jewish guy that got the hell beat out of him and then crucified. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so you saw you actually mm -hmm. saw someone with stigmata. Yes. Could you tell us? Could could you tell us uh, what that was? Yeah. Um, sores opened up in her in her wrists and the it was either in the wrist or her palm of her hands it was a long time ago uh blood started pouring out where spikes would look or thorns would have looked like to have wow. been in her forehead and um you know there was a the stain a blood stain on the side of her dress which was blood and water uh you know not just blood but blood and water um coming out into the material like they even tested it afterwards and like how it says in the new testament when jesus side was uh, pierced Blood and water spurted out. It was blood and water that was in the side. Um, you know, her feet were bloodied as well, and wounds in her feet showed up. So it was a terrifying thing. But you know, it's also considered a blessing in some circles. So you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think is the, is the phrase. Well, okay. So is stigmata. So is that demonic possession then? Or no, that's a that's a symbol of God that someone is worthy to have uh, bared the cross of Christ. And, and what what generated that? I mean, what, was uh, she very holy, or what? Yeah, she, she was very holy, very pious. Um, she was thinking about going into the convent and becoming a nun, and just it happened to her. And I was like, it's you know, not something that you see on a daily basis. But is it ever stigmata? Is it ever considered evidence of demonic possession? Um, not to my personal. Okay. Okay. Uh, understanding, but okay. it's usually this is usually the rule of thumb. If something happens and it drives you towards God, it's from God, and if it's something that happens that drives you away from God, it's from the devil. It's a okay. very very simple you know, outlook in that regard. Okay, well we're going to be I'm going to be pushing as we get into the horror season. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be pushing these horror movies on you, and you know I'm going to ask you to, to you know to buckle up. Okay. Turn on every light, invite, mm -hmm. you know, some friends over, <laughs> you know, right. who could defend you in mm -hmm. case of trouble. <laughs> and you got it. There's some horror movies you'll have to watch. For example, the original Halloween had almost no violence. Now they're doing, uh, you know, the, the original John Carpenter in 78, mm -hmm. I think, or 78 or 79. Yeah, 40th anniversary. Almost, yes. So there was almost no um, bloodshed. Now. I'm really looking forward to it because you know I, I, I I'm this is the time of year where mm -hmm. thank goodness my wife loves Halloween and we've got more <laughs> Halloween decorations and right. we've already started putting them up and we're mm -hmm. thinking about what Halloween foods to eat and everything and so she's God bless her she's very you know she concedes she'll watch horror movies as long as they're not too gory okay so this is where I start all, almost every night mm -hmm. I have I need to get my horror fixed okay but I'm really looking forward. To the the new Halloween coming out next month with Grandma Jamie Lee Curtis, shotgun toting Grandma, right. you know uh, uh, Laurie, um, finally dealing with Michael Myers. Now, mm -hmm. is there any way you will go to any horror movie in the theater, or that's out of the question? Uh, last one I saw in the theater was the original Conjuring, and they, you know how they have those night vision scopes. Yes. To yeah, get the yeah. audience reaction. Every time I saw the red light, I'd flip it off just so I wouldn't be that scared <laughs> guy, you know, that's in the commercial. 
Yeah, that you, that's no good. No, yeah. come on. <laughs> no, you got that's defeating the purpose. I don't want to be that scared, that frightened guy in the commercial. So every time I saw the red light, I'd flip off the camera just so they couldn't use me in the commercial. Okay, so now I understand. <laughs> I, I understand that because um, I don't like roller coasters. Okay. Now they they terrify me. All right. I'm going to admit the last roller coaster I went on, you literally had to pry my fingers off the bar. Okay. I just clenched my my teeth, closed my eyes, and I was a complete baby. And now, you white knuckled like it the whole I love roller coasters. The okay, roller coasters so are a lot of fun. Okay. So I'm a wuss. So you never want to go on with me on a roller coaster because I'll try to get off. Okay. <laughs> Which is real. And plus, I see enough stories of roller coasters, and especially lately, it seems, yeah. of them going off the rails, right? And mm. people falling off. In some theme parks, them. yeah. And, you know, it. again, that's where you need regulations. I mean, most libertarians on my side of the fence or deregulate everything. I was like, no, some regulations are really good, like the roller coasters going off the rails. We got to take care of that too. You know, we well, can't yes. completely deregulate yes. everything. Right. And look, I'm a political independent, but mm -hmm. I often vote Republican. But I don't agree with. I understand mm -hmm. the size of the government. It should, I believe, much smaller because mm -hmm. there's a lot of waste. Right. But we need roads. Yes, we and do. And we need schools. Yeah. And we need, you know, volunteer fire departments only go so far. Mm -hmm. I much prefer New York City. Where they're paid, <laughs> <laughs> right? And the cops are paid, right? Right. And um, so I'm I'm with you going too far. But yeah. let's uh, switch gears a little bit, okay? Because you had recently um, you had the honor of um, interviewing one of my favorites, Mario Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles is one of the nicest guys ever. Um, you know his his father was king of the indies. To be honest with yes. you, I mean he did Watermelon Man was the only studio film he did. And because the writer of the novel didn't allow him to change it up as much as he wanted to, you know, it wasn't the movie that Melvin Van Peebles wanted. So he just said to hell with this and started funding everything himself. You know, and then Sweet Sweet Badass and everything else came out. And Mario, that was Mario's first movie and continued on. And now Mario did a movie called Armed. Uh, came out last week. It's an indie film. Um, it's about... You know, it covers PTSD, gun control, um, you know, uh, pharmaceutical addiction, all sorts of things. And and when I talked to Mario about this, you know, <clears throat> he was fair and objective in the fact that, you know, he took on both sides of the argument. And Mario said to me, I want to make America think again. I just don't want to tell them how to think. And I think that's you and I are both on that same perspective yes. is yes. just think. You know, don't yeah. don't sit there and go, well, that's the guy on the blue team stamp, you know, stamp. Yes, that's the guy on the red team stamp. Yes. You know, because what happens when you mix red and blue? Let's look at a color wheel. What do you get when you mix red and blue? Purple, maybe purple. And what yes. and what's the color of bruising? Purple. So if we yes. all vote red or all vote blue, we still end up with purple bruises on our butts no matter what, because we voted too far on a partisan uh, a aspect of things. Well, when I when I uh, talk about my novel, mm -hmm. Man Over Hell, and someone will interview me and say, "Well, what did you mean by this?" Mm -hmm. and I'll say, "Or oh, what was what is your book? The meaning of your book?" and I'll say, "Look, that's not important because it's what other people think it is, and other people interpret." Right. And you can't, you know, because they because just exactly to your point, and to what Mario was saying, you have to make people think mm -hmm. or let them think. Right. 
and not tell them, well, it has to be this way and it has to be that way. And I think that's very important. I loved um, Mario's New Jack City. 25th anniversary this yes. year. It's it's a great, great classic movie. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, I, I don't know if people remember that in um, the Michael Mann movie Ali, mm-hmm. he played Malcolm X. Yeah. He's a wonderful actor and he was on a, um, a sci-fi uh, series called Superstition, which ran last year. And he's just a very... Um, gifted man are you going to get a chance to see the movie i already i already saw armed i liked it a lot it's an indie film so you know there are some struggles with with indie films as as you know with budgeting wise and whatnot but when you when you get to the moral of the story it's quite significant and it needs to be watched um as you know i i have a rule uh when it comes to when it comes to films i do not judge indie films with the same criteria that i judge blockbuster films Right, and I don't know how many other critics do that. I think I'm one of a handful. Um, you know, I take into account. You know, you had a 15 day shoot with a five million dollar budget, and you know this was go- almost Gonzo filming to get this done. Versus something like Transformers, where you had six months of shoots and another six months of edits and special effects added to it with a $350 million budget. I can't judge those movies on the same criteria. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so I try to judge an indie film on a certain criteria with that in mind, limited budget, limited shoot schedule, you know, uh, limited resources versus the blockbusters that have all the resources and still give us a crappy movie. I'm way harsher on those movies than an indie film that didn't come out exactly the way the filmmaker wanted. Luckily, you know, he had his hand in everything and it came out the way he wanted and it had that that personal feel to it and, you know, he respected the military that that suffer PTSD. He understands the argument for gun control and against gun control. You know, he he gave an example of uh speaking of environmentalism that we spoke about earlier. Um took his son Mandela to the beach one day and the beach was closed. And they said, you know, he said, dad, why is the beach closed? He said, well, the beach is polluted. And he said, well, who polluted it? Was it the fish? Was it the whales? Was it whatever? And I said, no, human beings polluted it. And he's like, wait a minute. And as you know, out of the mouth of babes in this instance, he said, wait a minute. So adults are the ones that polluted the oceans. And he said, yeah, unfortunately. And he's like, so how can I trust the adults that polluted the oceans to be the adults that I listen to to tell me to clean up the living room. Ah, if well, you can't take you responsibility for the planet, how yes, am I supposed to take yes. responsibility for the living room? Yes. And you said yes. that, and it's true because yes. we only have this one planet, you know, and we have to take care of it and each other and everything else. And you know, I don't care if we agree politically, theologically, whatever else. You know, respect is important. Tolerance. People say, oh, you know, you just want to be tolerated. I'd rather just be tolerated than hated. Yes, because we all share the same air. Right. You know, same air, same water resource, same food source, same oxygen source. So, yeah. Now, this Sunday, I'm doing something really cool. What's that? Talking about sharing. Okay. Okay. So, you folks know that I was um, one of the pro wrestling writers back in the golden age of... Mm -hmm. um, wrestling old school wrestling as they call it mm-hmm. i wish they wouldn't say old but it's that's <laughs> what it is so turnbuckle magazine mm-hmm. is doing a documentary and they're doing an interview with me mm-hmm. bill after okay. the legendary bill after 
and Craig Peters, also of PWI. And Sunday, we're gathering in a studio in Jersey City, New Jersey. And we're going to talk about the old days of professional wrestling, you know, the pre Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon, junior days. Mm -hmm. um, What it was like to write the magazines, what the wrestlers were like, Mm -hmm. uh, how wrestling has changed. And um, what the producers don't realize is they're interviewing the uh, Marx Brothers of wrestling. (laughs) So we're already thinking about ways to subvert and shock them. Uh, which one are you, Chico or Harpo? I'm going to be I'm going to be Groucho, of course. Okay. <laughs> I mean, talking about being typecast. Right. Are you going to I mean, are you going to have a grease is, mustache? Yeah, I might. <laughs> I I wanted. I said, okay. What about if we all, as it, it opens, we're all wearing masks, mm-hmm. and then we unveil our masks. So we're going to do like lots of fun things, mm-hmm. lots of fun things, because we were irreverent, and it should be a lot of fun. And um, I'll let everyone know, of course. When the documentary goes out, it's, you know, wrestling, it's just, it makes people smile, doesn't it? It just, for those that are, for those that get the point. Yes. We don't get intellectualize it too much or get too, oh, well, that's stupid. No, you know, lots of things are stupid. Oh, yeah. You know, blowing bubbles is stupid, (laughs) but it's entertaining. but uh, yeah, you have a, if you, I don't know if you, anyone who has pets out there, if I blow bubbles at my cat, uh-huh. it's funny to watch it. My dog, you know, plays with the ball or right. just chews on a stick. He goes down the block and he picks up sticks. He's a puppy. He'll be seven months this week. And he, today he picked up a stick, which is longer than him. Mm-hmm. But he was, <laughs> he was proud. He carried it down the street. So there's a lot of things which aren't like, you know, Nietzsche mm-hmm. and, you know, great godless, God fearing, all, you know, head pounding mm-hmm. intellectualism. Right. And it's just fun. And I think we kind of forget it should things should just make us smile. And wrestling entertains mm-hmm. I, with TV. I've been no. I, this is what I think about TV mm-hmm. nowadays. I think so many of the main characters are so borderline psychotic. Yeah, absolutely. They're right. all on the verge know. of a nervous breakdown. Yes. And you have to be edgy, edgy, edgy. And after a certain point, unless you have real people, mm. the edge doesn't matter. Right. You Do you remember, oh, this was from the 80s and early 90s, the ladies, uh, the TV show 30-something. Yes, I never watched it, but I, I do remember the show. You're familiar with it. And I, that, it's a good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was won a number of Emmys because it was about thirty something couples mm-hmm. back in the day, and they had a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and they would get divorced and fail to be uh, faithful and lose their jobs or their children, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was just people mm-hmm. that you could identify with, and I find a lot of TV is difficult to identify with. I'm now I'm watching. Uh, two series now, uh, Mayans on FX, okay. which is really intense. Right. But, you know, do I root for anyone? No, not really. I'm watching Courage on USA, which is not a show particularly character-driven. But, again, the people are so out there. We, 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 so what about you? Is there, now, you uh, saw the first three episodes of Titans. Titans on the DC Universe app. Yes, which I know is not 
about regular people. <laughs> no, it's all it's all about superheroes about, and well trained yes, uh, athletes and tell and us fighters. About that. Um, if you watch the trailer, it looks very dark DC EU film style Zack Snyder universe, not the Nolan Batman universe. Um, the difference is is that this is everything you wanted those Zack Snyder movies to be. So yes, it's dark. Yes, it's edgy. Yes, you know, it's not hokey like the animated series Teen Titans Go. But there is color. There is story. There is a bit of humor. There's flirtation. You know, they get the characters right. However, um, it's not Titans. It's very much Batman and the Outsiders. If you've ever read that comic and how that was the edgy team that really, you know, had to do stuff that the Justice League wouldn't do or the Titans wouldn't do. So it's basically everything that you loved about the Outsiders but attributed to the Titans. Uh, there's a fight scene in the trailer where uh, Dick Grayson, the original Robin, beats up a bunch of thugs and he says, F Batman. That entire fight scene, uh, one portion of it, this, this is the closest to a spoiler you're going to get from me, uh, turned into a Joey Styles and excuse my language, uh, holy shit, cringeworthy chant. You know, just in my living room. Yeah. I mean, I turned into Joey Styles for a little while. Go ahead. Go. Um, you're you're entitled in your living room. You can do yeah, whatever you want. Right. And you know, so it it's the first three episodes are great. Um, discovering who the characters are is great. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the one thing I am getting tired of. In a lot of shows, is that when there's an alien character, somehow it always ends up being a, pla a black person playing the alien. And I said in my review that I've written up that will be published in October, um, Africa is a continent, not another planet. So yeah, well, stop using black people as aliens because they're citizens of this world as well. Well, wait a minute. Where's that coming from? That's bizarre. Um, the guy who plays Martian Manhunter. On Supergirl, yep. he's a black guy. Uh, the guy who plays one of the aliens on... Um, I can't remember his name, and I've interviewed them both, which I feel terrible for. Um, on the Orville, alien character, black guy. The guy who played Worf, black guy. The guy who played another Vulcan on one of the other Star Trek series, another alien, black guy. Starfire, black lady. And I'm just like, why does every alien have to be a black person? This is totally confusing. Well, you know, in a sense... You know, you could go two ways on this. Okay. okay. In the beginning, all that you know, we had the um, all-knowing, all-wise black actors. Yes. So Morgan Freeman mm -hmm. would always have to be a good guy. Sidney Poitier. If, and... Yes, because mm -hmm. if you had a, a black character who wasn't good, mm -hmm. it was racist. Okay. And that kind of fell into the depiction of blacks as not being good. Okay. The racial depiction. So people were afraid to lean into that. So I, I think it's fine, to, again, to go back to be what we are, not who we are. Right. But I just think that's kind of interesting that so many of these villains are African-American. That's uh, it's kind of an interesting – I'm not quite sure. Well, Starfire is a hero, but it's just strange that – and so is Martian Manhunter. But it's just strange that anytime you have an alien character now, it's a black actor. Huh. That's uh, very interesting. So that confuses me a bit. Are the fan is the fan boy community 
upset about that, reacting about that, having any... Um, you know, some people were upset. They're like, why, well, why is Starfire, a, you know, a black actress? And I'm like, who cares about her ethnicity? Right. The question should go deeper, and why are so many black actors being cast only as aliens in these superhero or sci-fi genre films? Well, at least they're being cast. No, I'm I'm happy there's Which diversity in the cast. Yes. It's just weird yeah. that they're all now being cast as aliens. They're not foreign to this world, you know. So, in the comics you read, mm-hmm. are the characters often diverse? Um, initially they weren't. You know, it was a very New York medium. Uh, all the creators were from New York. It was a bunch of Jewish guys that couldn't get yeah. jobs in the or comic from strips or to. Or two Jewish super, teenagers from Cleveland. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, that couldn't By the way, get jobs. Did you jobs. ever read Superboys? I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm did sorry. you ever read the book Superboys? No, I haven't read that book. Oh, I'm going to send you a link to that. It's okay. It's wonderful because it's about um, the two guys who created Superman. Right. Okay. And their story, and it's you know, certainly not rags to riches. Sadly. No. They sold they the really rights to Superman true. for a hundred and thirty dollars. Yes, it's a really not million. Good... Hundred and thirty. Yes. Dollars. Yes, I think you'd love it because it's so well written and yeah. it's of that time and that period and just to go to see to be there when the comics first started. Right. And you know uh, the real that we know of the comics that you know right. that we know of as comics. Uh, right. It's fascinating. But go well, ahead. I'm sorry. So well, it's just because diversity. you guys weren't allowed into mainstream comic strips and the funny pages in the newspapers. The yes. you know. Martin Goodman and, uh, you know, all these other guys at the time went into a medium and said, all right, well, we'll just create our own medium. And, and we knew about being outsiders. Right. You know, that and was it was that we... immigrant story. So Yeah, it was. It was totally, well, no one wants us. Right. We're different. Mm-hmm. But now we have superpowers. So, right. <laughs> so ha ha to you. <laughs> right. You know, right. Uh, what's it called? Superman, two Jewish kids, Batman, you know, uh, uh, Bob Kane, born Bob right. Con, uh, Robert Kahn. Stan Lee. Uh, Stan Lee, real name Stanley Lieber. Um, yes. You know, Will Eisner. So the industry was yeah. created by you guys. Yes. And so, yes. and the industry still stands 80 some odd years later. And so does Stan Lee, which is... <laughs> Barely, you know. I mean, the guy is, what, 96 years old now? 95, 96? So, yeah. Did he say that he, he wasn't going to be in the movies anymore? There was something... He was in a little growing poor health. Uh, yeah, his health is deteriorating. So he filmed uh, several scenes, several of his scenes for the next five or six Marvel movies ahead of time. Yeah. Just in case he passed before phase four or phase five was done. And so he'll be able to be incorporated into those. So even if it is postmortem. He's, he's a joy. I, I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple times at San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. and just a cool guy. Right. It's just like, Oh wow. That's, that's Stanley. Right. Now I see that our time is running down. The hourglass, bit. the sands mm-hmm. are running out on us. We got about five more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just want to, before we go, I want to make sure um, that, that we talk about next week's show. Okay. Because we haven't talked at all about baseball. We have not talked about baseball and the playoffs are going on and you, thanks to Soon. you, after yes. 20-some-odd years of me not yes. watching baseball since the strike in the 90s, when Good. I was a teenager, got me to go to two baseball games in one week. It's beautiful. It, and you're a better person for it. A little poorer. 
but you're a better person. I, actually, I got a fun. great deal on the Angels tickets. It was the Giants tickets that killed me when I was up in San Francisco. Well, how much is how much are Giants tickets? Oh God, they were about ninety bucks, but I got two yeah. for one, so I got lucky with that on Hat Day. Yeah. Well, okay, so Sunday, this coming um, Sunday is the final season, uh, the final um, day of the regular season. Yep. And the playoffs start um, the following week. So on next week's show. We're going to have Ernie Picopoulos, who's the editor-in-chief of Fenway Nation. Mm-hmm. And he's going to come on and just give a, a look back at the 2018 season right. and a look ahead to the playoffs. Now, Ernie bleeds Red Sox red. Mm-hmm. He refers to my team, the Yankees, as the evil ones. Okay. He cannot he cannot um, bring himself to say the word. It's almost <laughs> like he's Jewish and you can't say God. You know, you uh-huh. can't spell G-O-D. you got to spell With G-D-S. the hyphen. With a hyphen, yes. Because you can't, because if you actually put the accents in there and Yudhe Wavhe becomes the actual name of God, it's too holy for us to speak. Got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is not why Ernie says it. It's because he hates the Yankees so much mm-hmm. that the, the, it can't come out of his mouth. <laughs> I don't have a but, dog in this fight. I'm from the West Coast. So whatever's so going on in the gonna, Northeast between you guys yes, is on you. Be, we're we're going to be polite because the wild card is going to be the Yankees against um, the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. So since you're from San Francisco, right. so I would understand if you root for Oakland okay. because it's all about baseball. Mm-hmm. It's so I think that's good. I think we should be on opposing sides <laughs> You the wild card team. The funny thing about that is that San Francisco fans will root for Oakland teams when they make it if a San Francisco team doesn't make it. But Oakland fans will not root for San Francisco teams if they make it. Is it because San Francisco is such an elitist city? Um not well. San Francisco is an elite city, that's for sure. Yes. But it's because San Francisco tends to outshine Oakland in everything. Um, yeah. You know, Oakland has its own culture, its own worldview, its uh, its own perspective on things, its own cultural renaissance that happened in the last ten to fifteen years. It's just that it's again, you know, St. Paul to Minnesota. You know, yes. it's New Jersey to New York. It's yeah. that sort of thing. It's you're right across the water, but you're not getting the respect that you deserve because your big brother is looming over your head the whole time. Well, is uh, is Oakland a nice city? I've never been there. Uh, it used to be a total dump. Yeah, but it got cleaned up. Um, you know, whether it was through gentrification or its own population deciding to fix up its neighborhoods, uh, probably a mix of both. Yeah. And. Um, you know, Oakland's gotten nicer. Berkeley still smells like urine sometimes, depending where you are. <laughs> you, you're talking about the politics, right? <laughs> well, the campus too. UC Berkeley. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, but, the campus uh, must smell of urine. Yeah, yeah. No, the yeah. right. Well, they won't let the police use the bathroom anymore on the campuses at UC Berkeley because the students are offended by the police uh, being there. And oh, yeah, and I'm just like, okay, so we have 13 year old women, and I will call them women by all definition of the world from top to bottom picking up rifles and defending their villages in syria yes or we have 21 year old men and i use the term man loosely in this in this regard complaining about being offended that the police are on campus and using the public facilities that kind of sums it up doesn't it it sums up our america i think that should be the last word (laughs) i think you you put it perfectly Thank you, everyone. I'm Gary Morgenstein from Brooklyn. And I'm Marcy Samo from uh, currently Huntington Beach, California. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you next week when Ernie Picopoulos from Fenway Nation joins us for the baseball playoffs. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.